Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Fact, I'm not even going to count down. I was going to go 5, 4, 3, but we're, we're, we're live on episode number 166 of the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. Um, we've got J-Dog, Johnny, Cardio Johnny, how are you? not referred to me by that name no no sorry ex cardio johnny i should say i think you ran once and that you got given a nickname cardio johnny and you went running like once but i did i did run a bit during lockdown actually got it i got caught into it until it rained and then don't you start something new but you're not really quite committed yet yeah it we, wasn't quite yeah we, we've had this conversation on the podcast i think so however i am in a better form of cardio we've discussed was it last week oh no, Oh, oh sorry. Thought you meant something else then. Uh, anywho, so uh, we also have a returning guest today, uh, young Stephen Kemp. Hello, Steve. Hey, man. Thanks for the for, thanks for the young thing. That's nice. Nice to <laughs> Well, I'd like to. Actually, getting younger. I've decided. I decided that I'm going to have like a stage age. Yeah. Um, so, like, oh, my real age is going to be hidden for all time, and I'm just going to tell people that I'm like a certain age. I haven't quite picked what it is yet. You're. you're... But I'm just going to get younger. That's, that's not going to work, mate. You're too uber famous to for that to happen. Well, I'm going to try. Hmm. I still don't think it's going to work. We'll okay, see. we'll, we'll see. see how it goes. Um, I don't even remember what episode you were originally on, but I, it must have been double digits. We definitely went into triple, and I would say it's probably below fifty. So it's been a while. So I'm like, I'm an OG then. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Cool. You, yeah, you're definitely an OG. You're you're probably you must be in the. F- I was going to say first ten guests, but maybe first fifteen. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So it's, well, it's good to be back. Yeah. Well, glad you're. I'm glad to have you back. Obviously, we haven't caught up in a while or, or spoke probably really anyway. So, what what has been happening in the world of uh, Steve N. Kemp? Or should I should I refer to as anything else? I I nearly I nearly su- I nearly sung a little song on the for the intro just you know but. I thought, ah, oh, it's a bit too cheesy if I start singing, like, hard to beat, hard to beat. Is that too much? I remember that the last podcast was called Hard to Eat. Yeah. Which was, you know, it's not, that was not bad. So you got to outdo that one this time. I, I, I must have been. It's one of my proudest moments, I think, my finest moments coming up with that name, <laughs> given the topic as well. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was. What have I been up to? So, like, probably, like, loads of stuff. Like really loads of stuff, but honestly, like my memory fails me on anything that's remotely interesting, you know, other than just kind of like being a nutritionist and doing that like for a living and like that kind of stuff. Like I'd love to have some like life, you know, I moved to this place and I did this and you know, that kind of thing, but that no, no that really happened, you know. Well, I can we can kind of forgive you, especially in the short term, given not many people have done too many interesting stuff in the last four months or so. Five months, nearly. Given the global, global actually the last one, so no fun quizzes or um, what else have people been doing in lockdown? I just murder mysteries. I don't know what else people have do really other than those. Honestly, don't know. Like um, drinking, <gasps> drinking, you know, uh, drinking. Just better yet, yeah. No, I don't know, man. Like nothing much. Like you know. Even lockdown, like lockdown, was like uber boring, and then before that, what well, that wasn't even that exciting either. So, you know, not 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 masses, not masses. You probably about yourself. Uh, well, not not a great deal, if I'm honest. Uh, as I think we were, as we were chatting before <laughs> before the uh, recording, I I live a life of routine, consistency, aka not particularly interesting. But it does, right. it certainly does help for dieting. So, if anyone wants to lose weight, being boring, routine, and consistent is. I was gonna say you are looking shredded. Oh, well, thank you. Know, you. It's so, not. It's not like it's not like we set that up at all. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I couldn't help it. It's just so uber cheesy. Yes, thank you. Um, I am at the, uh, well, the, literally the deep end of a diet. Given I've been dieting or cutting now since January the twentieth, I think I have had a. I think a total of about ten weeks break in there, mind you. So. It's not. It's probably a third of the time period, really. But um, after my successful weight gain back in the last year, so which is interesting. Um, you probably wouldn't know, no, no doubt. But uh, I 
I have done an episode po- on the podcast about this, so pe- some of our listeners might kind of uh, recall. But in the from October December last year, I did go on a bit of a a bit of a free for all intuitive eating experiment. Is probably the best way to describe it, which was really a case of just eating what the hell I liked. Um, so yeah, you know, I guess I guess it all came about because obviously, and this is good chat. I think given what we were going to talk about today in terms of uh, the topic, anyway, but I kind of figured. I was getting interested, I suppose, into the kind of the obesity epidemic, kind of why people overeat. Getting, and to be honest, this is this has also come about a lot of late as well when people are talking now about the new government uh, like interventions and kind of their tackle on obesity. Where I just and we talked about this last week with Dan Mack on the episode, where I'm just getting bored of seeing the same coaches saying just calorie deficit, bro. Like, oh my god, I can't be the government are doing this. It's just calorie deficit. And at the time, I was like the same problem, just calorie deficit this, calorie deficit that, and um. So I was kind of like, mm, yeah. there's a bit more to it than than just calorie deficit because, like, the reasons people overeat are far more nuanced and kind of multifactorial. So um, I went in this experiment, yeah. just basically just saying, right, let's see, let's see, I can get on managing my weight without any kind of rules at all. So it wasn't really kind of an intuitive eating experiment, but it was probably more than lines of what people think intuitive eating is. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So. And how did it go? I uh, yeah, I gained the best part of. 25 30 pounds in three months so so really well then yeah well it depends what your your out your outcome was meant to be, to be but, uh, <laughs> yeah so uh so yeah so it's now taken me the best part of six months give or take some breaks to to kind of get back again so but hey ho it's all worth life experience it is right it's good to do those things every now and then um, and I, I'm totally on board with you in terms of like, you know, the, 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 the kind of the coach is just talking about, you know, just a, just a calorie deficit, bro. And all this kind of stuff. Like, like we know that right? some people don't know that that's how they, you lose weight. Like they don't know that that's what, you know, causes like weight loss. So that's fine. It's like a little, little, you know, tidbit of knowledge for someone, but it's not, it's like, it's not particularly like useful, is it? It doesn't really like tell them like how to change their behaviors or like really what to do. It's just like a statement, a calorie deficit. Like, okay, then, well, you know, yeah. show me, show me how to do that, or yeah. like give me some, give me some advice. How do I fit? How do I make that work for me? You know? No, exactly that. That's and that's this is why I've kind of been a bit irate about things of late because it, it's it's the oh education or calorie deficit is all people need to know well clearly it's not all people need to know because i think the majority of people have a really rough idea of how they should be eating but they don't do it anyway so indeed indeed um much going to a financial advisor about money and he says to you just save more or just doing more yeah bank account mate you know like you know savings account yeah, if you ask him about investment advice to get rich when you're older, and he said that to you, he wouldn't be really impressed with you. You would not. No. So, I mean, I guess if it was kind of that easy for a bit of education, people would, we, no, we wouldn't have an obesity epidemic or people would walk around like shredded all the time. But because there's this, there seems to be this thing where people think that our bodies are intuitive and as I say, it relates, I think, quite nicely to a lot of the things that I want to talk about in terms of you put out a really good post, which I, I shared, I thought was brilliant around kind of like why intuitive eating might work. So maybe let's just start with the premise of why intuitive eating might not work. And let's just see where that goes. Right. So, yeah. OK, cool. So I tell you what, I'll, I'll describe for like, you know, listeners and what have you, like kind of what it is first, because it doesn't make as it doesn't make it doesn't make as much sense as um people think that it's something else quite often right so let me let me talk about what it is so intuitive eating it's like a self-care eating framework right so it's based on like interceptive awareness interceptive awareness is just a fancy term for being in touch with physical sensations in your body like for instance what's a good example like your bladder being full right so like you know your bladder's full you know you need it and go to the loo it's a very like a feeling that we all know and recognize right that's interceptive awareness so intuitive eating is supposed to improve your relationships with food, help you become like aware of hunger and then get you to emphasize wellness over weight. And that's really important. That's a really important distinction. So it's it's never been about weight loss. It's not a diet. Right. It's it's about, you know, it's about, like I said, relationships with food and awareness of hunger and all this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a weight neutral approach. 
So if you start, if you take up intuitive eating, um, you know, you might lose weight or maybe your weight will stay the same. Maybe your weight will go up as it, you know, it did in your case, although you might not have nailed it in, in terms of how you did it, but like, you know, your weight, your weight might go up. Right. So it was based on a book written in 1995, which just been updated. Um, and back, back then it was kind of like, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge amount of evidence for it, but since the book, there's been a fairly like extensive body of literature on it. Um, and it's, it's, it's now known to be beneficial, especially for people with overweight and obesity and, and maybe for things like binge eating disorders. So in the literature, like it's associated with greater body appreciation, positive emotional fun- functioning, greater life satisfaction, unconditional self-regard, psychological hardiness, you know, motivation to exercise, um, those kind of things. Like, so all like super positive stuff. And it's like inversely related to, you know, disordered eating and, um, kind of like internalization of like body composition ideals like the thin ideal and stuff like that so it has like 10 kind of steps if you like or 10 rules or whatever you want to call them right i'll go through those quickly so like like it's rejecting the diet mentality it gets you to honor your hunger make peace with food challenge the food police which you know as people who are into like the idea of flexible dieting in terms of there are no good or bad foods you know you can allow some of, the, some of those kind of foods in your diet. You don't have to like never eat the stuff that we like ever again. You know, I'm, I'm kind of on board with that, right? And discovering your own like satisfaction factor, feeling your fullness, coping with your emotions, respecting your body, moving in a way that makes you feel the difference and then like honoring your health, right? And it's also like really aligned with the uh, health any size movement, which is in a nutshell, kind of about waste, uh, weight inclusivity and eating for well-being, right? But the problem, as always, is that these things, um, these two movements and their guiding like tenets have been misrepresented. So that's just what happens, right? So now people are trying to say that like intuitive eating is the best way to diet and the best way to lose weight. You've probably seen that by, by like, keeping an eye on the fitness industry. You know how quick people are to jump to new things. Um, so people have really just confused what it was about. And now they're talking about it as like, you know, the anti-diet diet or like whatever you know the, the the best way to like lose weight just by like you're using your intuition and all this kind of stuff it's never been about weight loss right it wasn't wasn't that it was always like a weight neutral approach and the same with the the health at any size movement like people are now saying that being obese is just as healthy as being leaner you know and and, and like all these kind of things and the health at any size movement never really supported that as a kind of like an ideal um and so i had an issue with those things um, and I had an issue with the idea of it working as a, uh, like a, a, a great, like weight loss plan and this newfound, like, you know, just another like kind of fad diet, if you like. And so I wrote an article called, um, why intuitive eating doesn't work. Um, and I released it on my blog and then I, I put it up on Instagram, which is where you saw it, which kind of like leads me here, I guess. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's, there's loads there. Um, and I think you've, you've just, you've kind of positioned those, both those well, I suppose the points around kind of intuitive eating and the Hayes approach in terms of, I think a prominent bit is really just about they, they were never meant to be kind of weight loss interventions. They're never meant to be, they're, they're, they're specifically focused on health, health, healthy behaviors and kind of a lot of as well, the, the, the mental, the psychological, psychological side and food relationships and those types of things, aren't they? I think it's important people yeah. understand that. Um, so in terms of like your post, then in terms of like why you think intuitive eating doesn't work then, so do you want to kind of describe or start with like why? Yeah, you think so my, my main, yeah, my main like beef, if you, if you like, comes from like it as a, as a weight loss goal is the idea of like the, the feeling your fullness. So that's like one of the 10 like principles or 10 rules or 10 steps or whatever. Like so feeling your fullness, it kind of states that listening to your hunger, you need to listen to your hunger signals and pause to assess your enjoyment and, and you know, practice conscious eating, which are all things that I'm on board of with but as a weight loss kind of you know a way to lose weight i just don't think that that works particularly well right so while i was writing the article i was sitting in prep like i often sit in prep um to work in the morning and i was writing this article when i write an article i like look at all the research and then like form an opinion based on that and then just try and write something entertaining around it which gives people like my perspective and a perspective that they can like take away with them right that's kind of what i do um, but because I had this on my mind, right, I was, I was sitting there in prep and I went and bought like a cake or something 
or it was like a muffin. I think it was like the lemon, like drizzle muffin thing. The one that's got like, wow, yeah, it's pretty decent. But whatever it was, right, it had 522 calories in it, right? And, and you can see that because in prep, like they write underneath, like whatever you buy, how many calories it's got, you know? So um, I took this back and I was like, like pausing to like think about what I was gonna write about. And I, I ate that thing in like less than 20 seconds, right? And once it was, once it had gone down, like I just felt more hungry than I did before. I, I, I could have eaten like if I'd have wanted to, or not even if I wanted to, I did want to, but I could have eaten maybe about another four of them, I reckon, before I'd even been like, before I'd even touched the sides, you know? And I wasn't like on a diet at this point. I wasn't like really ravenous. I was like pretty much at maintenance. I wasn't feeling particularly hung, hungry at all for like regular food. But as soon as I ate this thing, I was like, damn, I just wanted to eat another one, right? And the only reason I didn't was because of external feedback, right? So like knowing how many calories I just consumed, right? Knowing like because of the calorie counts that are in the shop, knowing about nutrition, knowing also a little bit about like how eating those foods, it, what it does to like my like, you know, my dopamine system, my brain and these kind of things. So like my internal feedback, right? My intuition, if you like, was just telling me to eat another one, right? And eat another one and eat another one. So in this situation, it just wasn't intuitive to like stop eating. It wasn't intuitive to eat less. It was intuitive. Like I was going just based on what my body was telling me to do at that minute, it would be like, go and get another one, like go and smash another one. You know, that's what it was telling me to do. So like your internal feedback sometimes is a little bit iffy. Like you can't really trust your brain in a few of these like situations, right? You've probably never found yourself getting excited for like a stick of celery, right? Like it, it very rarely happens. It's because your brain just doesn't, like, these foods are all good for you and everything. Like, you know, like, ooh, kale. Yeah, I'm really excited to eat that kale or, like, mm, cabbage. Right, you know, your brain, like, it just doesn't care. It just doesn't give a shit about these, like, types of food, right? They've got nutrients in them and stuff like that, and it likes that. But in, in terms of your drive to eat them, you just don't have any. And the reason, I'll, I'll kind of go through the reason really quick, right? It's all to do with, like, your ancestors and where we've evolved from. So, like... Like an early grave was like a real risk for ancestors, right? And your brain's evolved to help you survive. And one of the ways that it does this is through like a reward system, which is pretty complex. And you don't need to know like what it is. You just need to know that you've got one, right? So your reward system's there to help you survive and like reproduce and, you know, all this kind of stuff that we want to do as humans. And it drives us to like certain things. Like, you know, it's the reason that we like sex and like social interaction and like yummy food, like 522 calorie like lemon muffins. Right. So you just wouldn't have lived very long as a caveman if like, I don't know, you found a lot of like caveman spinach or something and like just started gorging yourself on that. It's not going to work. Right. It needs to your brain needs to drive you to eat the kind of food that is going to keep you alive because there was a real risk of there's a real risk of like, you know, a, a drought or something happening that's going to cause you know, no food is going to cause starvation. One minute you're there thinking things are great, and next minute the old woolly mammoths have like migrated or something, and you're you're screwed. You know, so it it drives you when you eat like calorie dense foods, like either high fat or high sugar, or especially a mixture of both. Your reward system drives your behavior and make you consume like more of these foods, right? And that's what it does. It reminds you of it. This is why you like that's why I like a pan of raisin is more appealing than like a plate of like Brussels sprouts, right? That, that, that's, that's why it's because it makes sense to eat that because your brain doesn't know that we live in a modern society that you can get any food that you want anytime you like. It thinks, you know, it thinks, well, wow, man, you might wake up tomorrow and there's, and there's nothing. So it's, it's a good idea. Like being obese just wasn't a thing back then, you know? So it, it, it's not trying to make you fat necessarily, but that, that is what it's kind of trying, trying to make you do. So you just can't, it's not to be trusted. You think your brain's got your back, man, but like, in this particular case, if you listen to it, it'll tell you the wrong thing. So I remember when I'd eaten this, this cake, I wrote in my blog, I wrote my brain with its untrustworthy trickery, is that it again, right? Like trying to make me just eat another one, right? So it, it just feels like your intuition wants you to be fat, right? And that's my issue with it. It's the, it's the feeling of fullness and eating any, of, any foods that you like, like no foods are off limits and all this kind of stuff. Without any kind of external feedback, without any kind of practice or knowledge about nutrition and all the good nutrition practices that we talk about, it's just so unbelievably difficult to use that as a weight loss strategy. It can work in some different ways, like if someone's got disordered eating or like, 
whatever, then it's then it's great. But as a, as a weight loss tool, it's an awful idea. You know, it's an awful idea. So that's that's why that's kind of my main beef about with it, if you like. That makes, I mean, obviously, it makes total sense to to anyone, especially that's kind of looked at the works of people like Stephen Guillenay, say, where he's kind of looked through a lot of that obesity model or modelling, um, and the reward systems and centres. I mean, how how I mean, I guess how how are we? Now let me let me try and position this question better. What what do you think of the today's I guess environment then in terms of? how it differs compared to back then so i know you touched on bits of it but you know you talk about the environment now what's available to us food food, like food availability the types of foods that people have available to them all the all the time um even to go back just slightly you know 50 years or 100 years before the industrial age almost um what why is it so different than I'm really not posing this question very well, but I'm trying to get to a point. Like, what? Why? Why is it such a a big change now? Then is it literally just down to that? Is it so much of a change of that? You know, we used to be able to intuitively, in air quotes, because of what was available, and because of the fact that yeah, like food was just more filling back in the day, you know, or it was like un, it was unprocessed, and it was it was like you know, you just you, one you didn't necessarily have as much of it, and you didn't have as much. Um, um, access to those kind of foods but like I think at some point they cottoned on as well like when we talk about this stuff about what makes people like what I just talked about then about reward systems and stuff like that this is not new information it's new in the fitness world right but like the same kind of professors if you like that have been writing about this stuff in terms of literature they've been hired by like food companies and stuff like that. I think of like a Snickers ice cream or something like that right like, cause it's not just, it's not just how something tastes. It's not just the calories in it. Right. So your, your brain really likes foods that are, you know, high in, in like salt and fat and sugar. Right. So Snickers has got all those things. Um, um, but also it's like the crunch, it's like the texture, it's all this kind of stuff, all these things like really, really, really like, you know, drive your, your reward systems to make you eat more of it. Right. You know what I mean? And now that we've got, They've known that, you know, and it's like people want to make money. They're going to make those foods because people are going to buy them. You know, you can tell people to eat like, you know, boiled potatoes and like, you know, like a great diet would be like, I don't know, you could call it like the pre-war diet or something like that. Here you go. Here's like your pre-war diet. This is what you should eat. And you probably have people that lose a lot of weight, but no one's going to do that because you just, you can't, I mean, you can if you want, but like. There are a lot of different sort of things out there. It's just the availability, I think. It's the availability and it's people's... There would have been the same amount of people who were just as impulsive back then, but if you didn't have access to stuff and you're impulsive, you just can't do it anyway, right? So yeah, I think if, you, if you're... It's just so... It's just easy now. It's just easy to eat foods that make you want to eat more food you know it's just easier to consume calories now than it was before yeah. there's no real education around food it's it's like it's like hard and all of the intuition in the world when people were leaner you know they they weren't eating intuitively in the sense that they were like well maybe they were because like they, they were getting like these fullness they were getting a, 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 like listening to their internal kind of like body telling them when to stop eating and, and all this kind of stuff but it was more to do with the fact that they didn't have access to the same kind of foods that we do today it's just it's just a lot harder right it's just a lot harder especially when intuitive eating is trying to make you like not give up any foods it's trying to make all foods inclusive and it's talking about like the food police and it's you know it's trying to not make you um like avoid sugar or avoid carbs and all this kind of stuff it's trying to give you this really big inclusive approach and and like nothing's off limits which i'm really on board with but if you're going to do that I don't, I don't see how you can do that without also education about what foods are going to make, how they're going to make you feel and how you're going to learn, like, how easy those foods are to consume or how many calories are in those foods or whatever. And these are all like external things. These are not internal things anymore. So I just don't see that it works as a, as a weight loss approach for me personally. Yeah, um, I, think, I think you got to obviously where I wanted to go in terms of kind of talking around like what really stimulates that reward system in terms of not just calories, obviously it is the other things like, you know, the, the, your body wants carbs and fats, well, and proteins obviously wants all macronutrients, it obviously like almost prioritizes them, which is why a lot of the food, you know, like your Snickers ice cream tends to be a good mixture of both 
and a mixture of different flavors like your sweets your salty even like umami and kind of it just wants all these different varieties and stuff and that's not right that's the reason that i use that is because that's just an example of of really work they've done that on purpose like every aspect in there they've not just done that by accident you know they know what's gonna make you eat more of them yeah. right you know it's i'm not saying that evil like big evil like you know, companies like food companies are trying to kill us all with like big sugar or whatever. They're, I'm not saying that at all, but they do want you to buy products, right? They do want you to like have them in your fridge or have them in your freezer at all times because they know that we love them because they know that we know how to make something that we're going to love and they'll do that so that we buy it. You know, that's how, that's how it, that's how it works. Right. So when some people just, when they, when they don't have these external like kind of like things, like that knowledge about how many calories they've got in them and that you can't eat loads of that stuff without, if you want to be leaner, you know, that that's, that's how the obesity epidemic kind of like happens. Like, you know, we just eat, we, we, we consume too many calories. We don't move around enough. What, what can people do though then? So if we, if we know that by consuming foods that are high calorie, you know, high carb and fat, different textures, um, different kind of different flavor profiles and stuff. What can people do to then try and stop those kind of reward systems continually pressing them to go out and consume more and more calories and more and more foods? So you just have to know, right? You just have to know what your brain's up to. Like I say, we, we think our brain's like our mate, right? You know, but but in, in some ways it's not. So one of the things I talked about in um, the, the, the start of the, um, the, the blog post was... Um, I remember, like, I started talking about when I remembered that I um, drank like a first sip of my my dad's beer, which was like when a really old school one, like called McEwen's Export. Right? And if you remember that, I had like a really cool like tin, um, and it tasted disgusting. Right? It was like I remember, I remember the taste. I remember being like literally disgusted by it. I was like, why are these like grown men? Like, why is my dad? Why does he like to drink this? You know, why it's disgusting? But it turns out that right, alcohol has the same kind of um, because it's a drug, right? It has the same kind of effect on your reward systems as like these highly palatable food does. So your brain kind of like, your brain's like, oh, okay, we've got alcohol in here and we want that, right? So it actually like changes the taste of it, right? It makes you like the taste. So you try it again, it tastes a little bit better. Try it again, it tastes a little bit better. Same with coffee, right? First time you drink coffee, it tastes bitter and disgusting and horrible. And you're like, why would anyone drink this? Why does most of the world drink this every day? You know, this is crazy. But it, again, caffeine does the same thing. And your body knows that. And it makes coffee. Like, now you wake up, you smell it, and you're like, mmm. You know, it's because you break it. Like, who says what smells good or, or, or tastes good, right? Who says, what, you know, who says whether we like it or not? It's your brain that does all that stuff. It controls that kind of stuff. So basically, the way to get around this is to know what your brain's up to, right? So you can eat these things without tracking calories and all that kind of stuff. You just got to not eat very much of them, right? So the, the way that, like, the way that um, the intuitive eating people do this is because there, there is like a cult. They, they, one of the things that they're trying to do is get people away from this like diet culture of like, you know, clean, clean eating or whatever, where. You know, I mentioned before, like this kind of pre-war diet and why, you know, why it works for people is because that's stuff difficult to overeat. 522 calories of like that cake in prep, right? If that, if that was 522 calories of like chicken and broccoli, for example, you'd feel really full. I wouldn't go back for four more plates of that, right? But I definitely do with the, with the cake. It's not about the energy. It's about, you know, it's about my brain and how it, how it views it, right? So one of the things that they do is they introduce a food that's been kind of banned by people and they just let you have like a little bit of it until you get used to it. And the kind of analogy that they use is like the first time that someone, first time that your like wife or whoever tells you that they love you, it's like this huge thing. And you're like, whoa, cool. She loves me. It's amazing. And it feels like really, really amazing. Right. And then like 10 years down the line, they're like telling you that I love you. And it's kind of still good, but it doesn't have that great big effect because you've heard it so many times before. And so that's kind of the analogy that they use with, with foods, getting yourself used to them um, so that there isn't this great big need to like just massively over consume something because that it's so tasty and it's so like out of bounds, right? So that introductionary thing can work. But for me, it still doesn't work without the knowledge that if we eat too many of this food, without that, without knowing what your brain's up to. So when you eat it, you're like, yeah, okay, 
Old Brainy wants me to go back in the fridge and get some of that out there and like eat the rest of it, but I can't do that now. So excluding foods in that way, in that sort of clean eating way, as much as it's not very popular and everything else, it does work. It does limit cravings. It does like help in terms of like avoiding those kind of foods. But if you want to eat them and you want to put them back in your life, you just, you have to learn how you feel when you eat them. And you have to know that like there has to be a limit on it. So it comes down to just understanding the number of calories that are in things. It comes down to practicing that. It comes down to like fitting them into your diet in a way that's much more constructive than it would be to just randomly eat stuff every now and then. It's like, it has to, you have to have that learning behind it for me, you know? So that's why I always get my, my, my clients, they don't all track calories and stuff like that, especially not if they're, um, you know, trying to like transition into weight maintenance or like maybe into like they're trying to gain muscle or something like that. Um, they don't all like track calories forever and ever and ever and ever. It's not what I want people to do. But I also don't want people to just eat the same like three foods every day, right? You know, because they'll feel so full that they won't overeat and they can stay lean. I don't want them to do that either. So then we have to just go through this big, you know, long like education about about all this kind of stuff and like how to fit these foods in your diet, how to do it without tracking and how it makes you feel and to write it like much more of a, a mindful eating approach. So mindful eating, intuitive eating like is a framework of like self-care, right? Self-care eating. And it's like, it's like a framework for that. Mindful eating is a, you know, um, like a learned process, right? It's like, it, you know, it's a thing that you can, it's, it's like a skill set. It's a thing that you can utilize to help you. So they're, they're, they're different things. Um, so that's, that's what you've got to do, basically. If you want to be intuitive, you've got to understand that in some cases you have to do something actually counterintuitive because you can't rely on your brain to tell you what to do in a good way all the time. It's going to try and stitch you up by making you overeat. It just is. And you're not going to be able to like tell it to stop unless you know what it's up to. Right? You can only know that through education. That makes sense? Yeah. So for, for someone listening, now, would you advise them to maybe do a mixture so have tracking so they, they understand the education actually I know now that X food contains X calories and mix it with periods of intuitive eating so they get to learn first before trying because I think people especially general pop think oh that's the best diet ever and you know most general pop intuitive eat and obesity is massive yeah, no, intuitive eating is what, like, made you, made you gain weight in the first place, you know? It's not, um, like, using, so I wouldn't call it intuitive eating, like, what I would tell people to do. Like, one, because I've got respect for the actual, like, book that was originally written. Like, they're two really smart women, um, and I've got a lot of time for actually intuitive eating in its, in its, like, in the way that it's supposed to be put across. Like, I've got a lot of time for it, but I don't... Um, you know, where, where I'm talking about, weight, like where I'm focusing more on like body composition and weight loss and weight maintenance and those kind of things, that's not really intuitive eating anymore. Um, but it's still, you still do need to understand like a lot of the things that they talk about. You still need to, you know, honor your hunger and make peace with food and challenge the food police and, you know, feel your fullness and cope with your emotions. You still, there's still things in there that are really important. It's just in the way that we're going to do it, it's, it's just not entirely the same thing. So I can't really call it intuitive eating. Um, but I would get them to, if, they, if someone, for instance, wanted to lose weight, right, and they'd never tracked calories before or anything else like that, me personally, if I'm working with them, I get them to do that for a period of time because it teaches them about, like, the, um, you know, you don't know, like, before I ate that, when I was sitting in Pret-a-Manger and I was eating that cake when I was doing my... Um, you know, writing this blog, I knew, I knew how it would make me feel because I'd experienced it and I knew that. If you don't know that, you've got to understand what eating 500 calories means, right? And it's not the same as 500 calories of one food isn't the same as 500 calories of another. And you only really get that by tracking the food that you're, eat, that you're eating and then by like, you know, thinking about like reflecting on how you felt afterwards and how hungry you were and all this kind of stuff, right? So I'd get them to track first and then we'd talk about like, you know, trying to fill their diet with more satiating foods and then if they ever did eat something that wasn't like a particularly like whole satiating food to, to stop and think about like 
their, their hunger afterwards and then maybe even rate their hunger and like to, to get get really used to it how does it make me feel this food and how's how's like weight loss make me feel how's weight maintenance make me feel what's my hunger like over the over the course of the day and then you just have periods of where you, you make that more um, again it's not really intuitive because it's kind of a learned process you make that more of a lifestyle approach and then you can start to have like like little tidbits of intuition around like you know how much how hungry you feel once you learn to trust those feelings and stuff like that but it's still with this framework of like you've tracked before it's still with this framework of you you know you understand about the the composition of foods in terms of the macros and stuff like that i think that's still important stuff for people who are interested in you know weight loss or body composition or, or whatever you know and if you're especially for people who are overweight and, and, and obese i don't know what your clients are like but a lot of mine aren't like i don't work with a lot of obese people you know um because i normally my clients are kind of like they're people who want to get in a like a little bit better shape and they're they're not what you would you know they don't have a bmi that would correlate with being obese necessarily so for them like different things can work a little bit but i think most of your listeners are in that in that kind of boat either um sorry to interrupt this episode we just wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications to work with any of our coaches to help you lose weight and get shredded or build muscle and get jacked. If you want to know more, just head over to nnncoaching.com forward slash apply. No contract links, just evidence-based coaching to make sure you get the results you've always been after. Yeah, yeah does, that make, does that make sense about what I would do? No, to- yeah, totally makes 100%. sense. Sorry, Johnny, go on. No, you said yeah, 100% makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's something we've talked about a lot in terms of not kind of being dogmatic in in any approach, and and some of the reasons why we've had some some conversations and probably some negative conversations around kind of like the anti diet movement, um, which aligns with a lot of the stuff you've said around kind of the the, the pros. There are some really good benefits around the the anti diet movement and some of the kind of facets of of those methods or or not really methods, I suppose those cultures. But there's also a lot of stuff we don't like, which again is aligns with the things, the reason you've already said around kind of the inability to, for people to intuitively eat in air quotes. And, that's, and, and it's probably a prominent point, which I think you've made, or, or, is, or is, is clear enough to me anyway, but just for the listeners more than anything, like you're not saying intuitive eating in the terms that you've used a lot of the times of you know, eating intuitively is um, the magical kind of unicorn diet that people think it is. Obviously, you're saying you've got a lot of respect for the actual framework of intuitive eating and the rationale of yeah. when that will be applied for. That's not a lot of the reasons we're talking about today. We're talking about this kind of magical unicorn diet that people seem to think that if you just listen to your body, you will be a normal or like healthy weight range, which is yes, not- I, I, yeah, that's that's because like some people do with intuitive eating. Some people, some people do lose weight, right? Like, um, but some people don't. Some people don't lose like some people gain it. And that's the thing about the health at any size like movement as well. I've got a lot of time for those too, like in its original form. But the problem is with these things is that they get they get they get written about or they get read about and misunderstood and then they get written about again in a way that like so you know, like I said, like the, the health at any size sort of movement, it was never really saying that like it wasn't about like being obese is like absolutely fine for your health you know it wasn't really saying that it was more about empowering people to um think about exercising and think about their health like improving their health in a way that wasn't like necessarily fixated on the on the end goal of weight loss you know it was but it still what it like might have resulted in weight loss and often obviously health improvements occur when people lose weight especially if they're obese and stuff it just wasn't um it wasn't like a weight loss thing but it wasn't like this you don't have to worry about like you're you know you're fine because you're if, if you're like really obese or whatever like this, you know you're, you're healthy you don't let anyone tell you that you're not it wasn't about that but people have turned it into that they've mis misrepresented it and the same same with intuitive eating like just to touch on the the healthy at any size thing because um, I know that it's something that when it when it comes up there's so much sort of like vitriol about it on the on the internet now and there's a lot of people who are just really like if you if you if you claim that like someone you know, being obese is like not maybe the healthiest like state to be in. You know, you almost get shot down in a minute. You know, it's like, but there was a there was a meta meta analysis which for for listeners is like just like a, kind of a study of studies. It's where it's like a big review where they put a lot of studies together and 
they can like kind of like amount all the statistics in them so you can you can get a really clear result of what all these studies are when you put them all together right and it was by like a person called Hanley Lin from 2017 um and they they looked at like can you be healthy at like any size right and they measured it by like looking at um systolic and diastolic blood pressure blood lipids like you know cholesterol and triglycerides those kind of things and then like fasting like blood glucose and they found that like 30 percent of obese people from these studies were healthy based on these like endpoints, based on these like measurements, right? But, and this is kind of like the big but, like so it's 35% of people, okay, maybe 35% of people are, are as healthy, but this is like the big but, right? From that 35%, um, there was an 80% um, increased relative risk of developing an issue within like three to 10 years. So relative risk is when you compare the risk between two different groups of people, for example, like, you know, smokers and non-smokers or obese and non-obese people. And if out of that 35%, 80% of them had an increased relative risk. And then like to add to that, like half of them within like a fairly short space of time, based on that relative risk, um, would no longer be considered like metabolically healthy anymore because they've developed a problem, right? So even if right, like, Right now, at that particular at that particular point, when their blood was like tested and it was like it was okay, health isn't just the the like not having a problem. You know, if your risk is so much greater, then you still need to do something about it. Otherwise, you're not gonna. It's only a matter of time. You're just playing a waiting game until you get a problem. So, you know, that's just been like 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 I said, that's been misrepresented, and so is a lot of the intuitive eating that goes around with that you know it's supposed to be empowering but like it's not empowering if it doesn't tell you the truth right it does, like that's not how you empower someone with like you know just false information yeah, yeah. so you know I, I have an issue with that side of things but i do not like i think was, which was your point i do not have an issue with how intuitive eating, eating was actually written and who it was supposed to be appealing for or the health at any size movement like I don't have an issue with either of those things. I think they're really, really cool. In fact, it just I have an issue with all the people who've taken it and turned it into something else. Yeah. I think you get that with any movement or any diet. All the, the smart people develop the idea for a, a specific scenario, and it makes sense until someone on the internet looks at it, butchers it, shouts it loud at us, and goes, "Yeah, this is a new way to do X, lose weight, gain muscle." Then, oh man, people don't I mean, we, think we're not like guy. we're not like yeah, not totally. We're not like teenagers either, right? We remember what it was like when um, I remember both ways of like the sort of if it fits your macros. I remember it back in like two thousand and five or something like that when like Martin Birkin, like from Lean Gains, was talking about like he was getting like really shredded. He got really really shredded at one point, right? And he was talking about like his diet was he was eating like ice cream and stuff like that every night. And people were like, "What? Like what the hell? How's he doing this? This is crazy." And then, like, you know, maybe, like, five, six, seven, eight years later, we all remember that, what that was like. Like, so all of a sudden, if it fits your macros, it was literally just a diet that was actually, like, or a way of eating, like a framework of eating, which was just, like, you know, you can eat different types of foods as long as you, like, you get your roughly your macronutrients kind of in the right place, you'll be okay. Turned into my diet can be, like, you know, I can live off whey protein, gummy bears, and, like, you know, peanut butter and everything's okay, bro, as long as I eat my, you know, as long as I hit my macros, that kind of thing. You just turned it into something completely different. And it, it just happens with, like, everything that's, like, you know, like, I think the I'm pretty sure that the carnivore diet came out of, like, the low-carb keto kind of thing. Just like, well, this is, like, you know, this is not extreme enough. You still eat vegetables and stuff. Let's just go, like, let's like, eat none of that, you know. I'm pretty sure that like everything that you see on there that's extreme in terms of the most stupid diets come from something that isn't that bad originally, you know, and it and it makes the whole thing seem less less like worthwhile or less, uh, you know, less um, useful. Yeah. It's a bit annoying, but it's just the way that it's just the way that it is. They're, they're the worst thing about flexible dieting is the t these two words together: flex bowl. I think. Shut up, Johnny, you, you donkey. You just, you just reminded me of literally every Facebook day. You know like the memories you get on Facebook? Every single day I get something about posting some sort of flex bowl from probably even only three or four years ago, I think. Like, disgusting, I know, but that's what I mean. Like, Steve's point around, you know, kind of we all remember those times. Yeah, I was living that literally yeah. only probably 
you know, maybe four or five years ago, maybe maybe three years ago, it was a big, big stream. But where I would I would probably have like a, um, so I think Harry Smith coined this term, or certainly he was the first person I heard say it. But like almost like a um, ah, oh, what words do you use? Fuck, I'm going to butcher this now. Basically, like a a, a semi eating disorder. And I can't remember what what word he used now, but basically like a semi eating disorder where I was like, I, as long as I fit my macros, obviously I was going to have to lose weight. But I was doing it in a way where I was storing so many calories, like 60, 70% of my calories for the last meal of the day before bed to have a flex bowl. So I might only be on 1,800 calories or something. I'd eat 800 calories in two meals of a day and then 1,000 calories worth of fucking shit um, at 9 o'clock at night just so I could post it to the gram kind of thing. Um, yeah. And it is. Yeah, it, no, it's, it, it's almost a, a semi-eating disorder. It's almost like it's like a... a... Disordered eating is what it is. Yeah. It's... it's, it's it's the beginnings of disordered eating, right? It's not, it's not an eating disorder, but it's starting to like get a bit funny. It's the same thing when people do it with like, um, you know, like I was, I, what was I on the other day? Someone was giving someone like, um, you know, weight loss advice and they were like, listen, bro. And he usually used the word bro as well. He was like, listen, bro, this is not hard. He was like, this is not difficult. All you do, you don't eat for 23 hours a day and then you have one meal and you're good to go. And I was like, shut up. You know what I mean? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, that's just, you know. I, I, I was in this, like, Facebook group in, like, when was it? It was 2011, I think, something like that. And, like, a very young, like, Adam Ali was in there and a few people like that, right? And um, it was all of these guys, like, young guys. They're probably about, like, 21, 22. A lot of Americans, like, sort of college age. And they'd all just... They'd lit like the world had just changed overnight, right? Because they just found out that as long as you hit your macros, bro, like you can eat what you want. And honestly, they were like, oh my God, this <laughs> every single day without fail, there'd be the same question. And it would be like, it's 12 p.m. and I've already hit my fat macros. What do I do? Like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's just looking back on it, I was like, well, how many calories do you have to eat? And they were like 2,000. And I was like, right then. So it doesn't matter if you eat some like a bit more fat, like whatever. It's just like, and they were like, what? And they were just, these people would just get up in the morning and just start like eating like Skittles and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, just like, they just start eating and then they track it. And they, their diets were impossibly difficult to stick to because they just had no idea what they were doing. And some of them got absolutely shredded as well, which made it worse because if they got shredded, the other people in there, they'd get posted up in the group and other people would look at it and they'd be like, oh my God, what were your macros? What were your macros? And it became this like, I need to have the same macros as him. Like macros, macros, macros. God, I could never talk about, I hate the word macros now. And I'd love to like never mention it again, you know, but that's just, yeah, it was just that. It just it just got stupid. And they all, they all do. They all do. So it's, it's basically the same as this security thing. It's just, it gets started by smart people, taken up by idiots, and then like you end up with with, with <laughs> just rubbish, don't you? You know. If only the smartest people in the industry shouted the loudest on Facebook, we'd be in a much better place as a country, I would imagine. Yeah, or had the best, insta you know, had the best um, Instagram accounts and things like that. There are some. There are. I mentioned Adam Ali. He's someone who I'm actually like a big fan of. He's got a great Instagram account. Um, and like you know, he was also one of the people in that group with me who like could see that this was stupidity. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, he was quite young at the time, but he's he's one, and there there are a few others. But mostly, it's mostly it's not, is it? Mostly, the most popular people are the, the worst. <laughs> like, let's yeah. be fair. To go, go, going back to your point on me around, or, or both yours and Johnny's points about taking these these kind of useful diets in certain scenarios and then being butchered i mean like the keto diets one you know in terms of its application for things like treating epilepsy and stuff and now it's kind of the, yeah. the greatest diet on earth ever to to lose body fat and like the carnivore diet i think obviously it's got some applicability around almost like an extreme elimination diet and helping with um autoimmune disorders potentially and stuff like that but now it's the greatest weight loss diet in the entire world um, IFOF, yeah. IFOFYM, same thing. IIFYM, uh, same thing. It's the greatest diet in the world um, until you realise you can't stick to it. That's like, uh. and just they, they, they are, that is, a, I mean, a really valid point around all of how these these kind of methods, you know, they only work if they obviously stick to the one principle, you know, calorie deficit, bro. Anyway, but all these methods get taken and just applied to just places where they're just not meant to be. I mean, even the IFYM conversation is 
in my opinion, this this I this idea of flexibility improving adherence. But then, like, my point around kind of always like I thought with the term of the a pseudo eating disorder. It's obviously taken that far that it does then start to cause like almost a a, a pseudo eating disorder. Um, yeah, and I, part of me makes me think like actually, not looking back, it feels a little bit like it was a bit of a rite of passage that most people go through, especially when they discover like flexible dieting. I think a lot of people go through that extre- extremity of oh, I can eat it, so I will. And I think we've we've done podcasts, I've done posts about this in the past around saying like just because you can, should you almost kind of just countering that because I think it's a case of like people do start to learn that over time. And I certainly I have my own journey. I've got clients I work with that have taken things too far and over time they get to a point where they start to make choices easy example actually yesterday we had a impromptu visit to pizza express and obviously being the last few days of a of a long diet i didn't want to kind of i don't know not adhere or, or you know, ruin it in air quotes um so i had a, a bloody tuna salad from pizza express where normally i'd obviously just had a massive pizza but i think once upon a time i would have made that fit because i had to because I thought I had to. Whereas now I'm like, you know what, actually I, the, the point you made around honouring no, no, um, one of the principles of intuitive eating, sorry, in terms of um, not banning your food or any food, food rules, because I knew I could have it, I made the choice not to have it because actually it wasn't that, like, forbidden. It wasn't this forbidden fruit that I thought I had to have. Yeah, that's 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 a really solid point, right? So, like, th- there's, there's a study from um, a little while ago who I think Eric Helms has, like, talked about this quite a lot which where there were two different groups, right, set up as a weight loss diet, and they could both eat whatever they wanted. The idea was to be in a calorie deficit, et cetera, et cetera. They were given, like, a diet plan of some description. I can't remember what it was. Um, they could Both of them could eat whatever they wanted, but one of the groups wasn't allowed to eat bread, right? They were told they couldn't eat it. And what they were looking for was, like, you know, how much weight people lost at the end of this study. And it turned out that the group that, that could eat the bread they lost more weight, right? They lost they lost more weight. They had less dropouts, fewer dropouts, rather. Um, they stuck to their diet better, right? And, and it wasn't like and it's because they 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 could. It was because they were given that choice. Now, it doesn't mean to say that all these people were like stuffing their face full of hobbies every day. You know, it just means that they had no restrictions. Like if it came up, they could have it, rather than. Like just just that one thing, it made a real big difference in the, in the study in terms of how people could stick to the diet and, and therefore how much weight that they lost in, in the end. So like they had that choice, but they didn't have to go with it. You have the choice to eat that pizza if you want. You chose a tuna salad because when you can eat, eat more food in the rest of the day, it's nice anyway. That would have tasted good. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the times, like these foods, like reframing it, you know, to like be like, you know, you don't need to eat like a teenager all the time. I know it's, it's a bit funny to say eat like a teenager, but a lot of us do. They just never grow out of it. That's why, that, if, you know, if it fits your macros, a lot of these, like in, in that like um, Facebook group that I was talking about, a lot of these guys would like just had gone away to college or something, uh, you know, in America, and they just left home and they were just, it, it allowed them to eat like, like children, you know, which is okay, I guess, to a certain extent, but... It, it, it doesn't teach you about remember when I talked before about like when you eat foods and, and, and like eat when when I have my clients track calories and then you're eating certain foods and then you're thinking about what how they make you feel in terms of fullness and stuff like that right because you can forget about you've you've been like I mean you're pretty lean now right you've been like properly shredded in the past you know that you can like feel hunger all the time but kind of switch that off to a certain extent or just like put it on the back burner and not think about it and that's what that's what they're doing right that's what they're doing with these kind of diets because there's nothing filling about whey protein and gummy bears and like chocolate bars and things like that nothing at all right like you'll feel starving the whole time but if you can stick to that like for whatever time you'll still get shredded but when they've grown up a little bit and they want to maintain like they want to look okay and maintain that you know, one, they're not going to be counting calories. And two, if they eat those kind of foods, intuitively, they're going to overeat massively, right? They're just going to overeat massively because their intuition is going to be like, you need more of this stuff. One, it tastes great. Like two, you haven't eaten that much today. So one of the things that intuitive eating says, it's like, um, um, they talk about honoring your health in terms of like gentle nutrition and stuff. And like, a lot of that's to do with like not being like being like well nourished throughout the day so that you don't necessarily want to 
eat like overeat on a lot of crap you know what i mean and you you just can't you just can't eat like that for forever and ever and ever you know like as, as we're getting a little bit older now i think we're i think we're sort of realizing that as much as it works like a lot of these principles are really applicable um when you get to that stage where you're kind of like looking more at maintenance or very 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 slow weight gain if you're interested in still squeezing them out a bit more like muscle gain and that kind of thing but yeah, yeah. i think um I'm rambling. no no you're not i think like you made a point earlier around how taste buds almost adapt and change to to, to kind of drive people to eat specific foods and i do think like as a message of, of hope to people it do, i've seen it anecdotally with myself and other clients it does kind of work the other way as well when you do start to kind of make choices and limit so some of those really hyper palatable ultra processed foods where mm. like as, as an example i think the majority of the meals i eat most people would say are boring but i actually don't find them that boring like the point you made around the tuna salad it does actually taste nice and i enjoyed it and i, I enjoyed the flavors um so i do think it's there's some hope there to think that and it may maybe it's like weaning yourself off crack i don't know but <laughs> you, there is there is a point where the, you, the longer you go with kind of reducing that food variety and palatability and, and kind of sticking to more wholesome healthful less rewarding foods for want of a better phrase i, th- I do think people's taste buds do start to change and it becomes easier there's, 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 a lot, there's a lot of research on it as well like if you um this is one of the things that i like we, they talk about like being inclusive and, and using all foods and eating all foods and all that kind of stuff and i do think that, that is important getting used to the taste of everything but also if you do leave something out right like your perception of how sweet something tastes changes so like something like a strawberry or something like that that you'll eat if you're eating a lot of oreos every day it won't taste sweet at all it'll taste like you know like a vegetable if you don't eat anything sweet for like like weeks or you know like a, a period of time it'll taste like super sweet you'll taste the sugar much more in it which you know drives back from gets back to your you know your brain trying to make you like consume certain nutrients and everything else it's going to make things taste a certain way like your brain's really in control of how things taste right you know so there is there is that there is there is data on that like your, your taste buds do sort of um change over time and, and 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 with with what foods you eat and what foods you leave out and that kind of thing one of the things i do with clients is i try and get them to cook with three ingredients or trying to get them to like base things on three like key ingredients it's not so that they can eat like a really boring bland diet they don't have to be bland ingredients but so that like the food that they eat is less less complicated if that makes sense less complicated foods it gives you a, it gives you the um like a tuna salad right for example if there are like only a few ingredients in a tuna salad like they do this one in italy which is like tuna and like potatoes and then like what else is it it's like capers or something like that right it's kind of like a little tunery salad kind of thing and you're only looking at like a couple of ingredients you know and you get more time to sort of there's less variety is like there's more time to sort of savor certain things and like also you know in the research as well when you eat food like that it's like not 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 bland per se but like a slightly less complicated you tend people tend to eat less um there's sensory specific satiety which is a thing as well like just to explain quickly what that is this is like another old-fashioned like ancestral system that you've got in your brain so for instance if you've ever been out for like you've ever been out to a steak restaurant or whatever and you stocked yourself full of steak right and um you're like wow i can't eat another bite you know what i mean you can't even finish it and then it's like oh who fancies a dessert and you're like well do you know what i might be able to smash some cheesecake right so what that is like again like think about our little caveman friend there like you know your brain knows that you've got to consume different nutrients right your brain knows that you don't just need to eat it's like like, if he ate just like one thing that would be particularly unhealthy right he needs to eat different stuff and one of those things like that it's called sensory specific satiety it like even if you're really full if he's just gorged on something and then he comes across something else right some other type of food he needs he needs a mechanism to be able to go and eat that food because he likely needs the nutrients contained in it you know whether it's like different types of vitamins or minerals or like it's sweet like you know whatever he needs that stuff so that's it's, it's just another system to to help you survive basically but in this day and age as well the more complicated your food is the more like when you go to a buffet there's lots of research on this when you go to a buffet and there's different types of um foods available we tend to eat loads more because 
here's one taste and I'm not quite full on that one yet. And here's, oh, look, here's another taste. And now I'm full on that one. And you'll go around and you'll, you'll consume like far more calories. So keeping meals simple, eating the tuna salads of the world is like not, it's not a bad idea. And it's not, it doesn't have to be, a lot of people can say, well, oh, that's eating like clean. That's like clean eating. And that's not cool, man. It's not, you've got the choice to eat what you want, right? Like you're not, you don't have to. There are no rules around this. It's just a good practice, like a lot of the time, you know. Yeah, I, 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 may, I mean, this might be a nice place for Conor Tiama, a nice place to kind of finish it off in, in that that point you just made about you don't have to, but it's a good idea. And that aligns with with a with a message that I keep giving to people that first come to work with me or kind of people that contact me about kind of weight loss is that you don't you probably aren't likely going to need to literally restrict everything you think you're going to have to restrict in reality you probably just have to reduce the amount of them you eat and it probably that's what comes down to what's going to be your solution so they and obviously that then aligns with not having to act you know kind of forbid or ban specific foods therefore causing those additional cravings or um kind of the psychology around eating um but they know there is need there needs to be some form of intervention to to kind of progress almost and that's that's literally what it comes down to for a lot of people. Like I can still have alcohol, I can still have cheesecake. I probably just need to be 10, 20% of my diet and not 80, 90% of my diet as it is at the moment. Yeah, exactly. It's not easy, right? It's like you said this right at the start, like, you know, about like just calorie deficit, bro. It's not easy. None of this stuff's simple. Like you think you listen to the like the detail that we go into this now, right? But mm. with time and with practice and with understanding behaviors and understanding how you're your kind of brain works and understanding that your food environment and understanding like these reward systems and stuff like that, all of the things that are not intuitive, none of that's intuitive, right? None of that's intuitive. But if you understand that, you can take the framework from intuitive eating and use it to, 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 you know, to help you still stick to decent goals, like where body composition, where being leaner and like being fitter and all those kind of things are concerned, you can still use it. Right. But you just, you know, it's not as it's not as simple as calorie deficit, bro. It is complicated, but it doesn't have to be so complicated that no one can actually achieve it, right? Mm-hmm. That's 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 the thing. Just you need to understand these principles. You need to be able to put them together into a plan that works. And if you don't know, contact Steve. He will coach you through it. Yes, I will. Hashtag cheeky plug. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Um, that's been fantastic. I enjoyed that a lot. It's a great conversation in area that is hugely interesting to me. Um, as we talked about already, around kind of why I've been annoyed a bit of late of everyone chatting about calorie deficits and that type of stuff as well in education, bro. Because, um, like you say, it's way more complicated than that. So it's really interesting. Um, do you want to shout out your socials? Is it stephen.m.kemp? Have I got that right? Yes. On Instagram. Yeah, I would ask people if they wanted to follow me, go to Instagram, follow me on Instagram. If you so um, chose, you could click the link in my Instagram, which would give you a, a link to my emails. Um, I send out, when I write blogs, I post them on my emails first. And I also write um, kind of like Q&As, which I don't send to anyone except for my email list. So my email list is a cool place to keep in touch. And Instagram is the best place to like follow my kind of like content and DM me and all that, all that jazz. So yeah, stephen.m.kemp on Instagram make sure you make sure you follow um right well i'm off to go have a massive flex bowl probably some greek yogurt in there for the protein but how many uh, calories have you saved up for that how many uh, calories like 15 yeah 1500 out of 1600 i've just basically lived yeah. on on a tiny little scoop of whey protein every half an hour as in when i say tiny like you know like the creatine size five gram jobbies one of them every half yeah, an no, hour man that's gonna be awesome you're gonna feel so like empowered <laughs> amazing when you eat it i've 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 actually so i mean that's one of the big changes i've made is that i probably barely eat now from i might have a protein bar before bed i say barely which is probably a massive dramatic uh or drop compared to obviously the the stuff i talked about what used to happen but i guess that this aligns a lot of the the upcoming stuff on chrono nutrition and potential effects on health and things and i kind of figure it's probably a good idea to eat a bit less plus it might be better for weight loss eating more in the day some of the kind of date is coming out on it isn't it so we'll see but that is another podcast for another time no doubt so that is that is that's a super interesting field as well that's like really emerging and like really interesting that is thank you mate again really appreciate it and uh, no doubt 
let's let's get the hat trick done at some point. <laughs> yeah, man. You'll only be this. I think we've only had one of a hat trick. I think Dan Mack has been on a on Twitter. Maybe even four now, actually. That's because he's got nothing else to do. And well, just... but Dan, it's war, mate. You know, like no one outdoes me. You know, come on. He's a I'm big, not having... he's a big bastard, though. That's the problem. That's why he I can't, is, that's why like, I can't I do, say I, no I, to him. I do know that he's a, he's a lot bigger than me. But then most people are like that's not difficult. You know, like when you're like five foot six and you weigh like sixty five kilos, that's not that hard to do. But you know, you know, whatever. Dan, Dan's bigger than most people. Though, let's be honest. That's the thing. It's, um, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a big chunk, but I'm not scared. Big Sorry. chunk, no. Um, right, we will catch up with you then soon, mate. Okay, mate. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.